today especially. So you're in for a treat. I've got a lot of scriptures uh, to go over tonight too. Um, so let's just begin in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 26 through 27. Genesis chapter 1, again, 26 through 27. And God said, we shall make men in our image. According to our form, they shall rule among the fish of the sea and among the birds of the heavens and among the cattle and among the animals of the earth and among the creepers that creep on the earth. And God created Adam in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And also we're going to be in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, uh, 10 through 15. But with good works, just as, as it is suitable for women who profess the worship of God or proclaim that they worship God, let women learn in silence with all submission. For I do not allow a woman to teach, neither usurp authority over a man, but should be quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and violated the commandment. But she lives by her children if they continue in faith and love and in holiness and modesty. And that is where that big hush and awkward silence comes over the church. So let's pray. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, for allowing us to be in your house, Lord. Lord, help me, Lord. I have studied all week, Lord. Lord, but I don't have the ability, Lord to expound upon your logos, Lord, and your intentions, Lord, for your people without your Holy Spirit moving in me, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that you will help me, Lord. Lord, empower me, Lord. Open up our hearts, Lord, and our ears, Lord, to hear and apply what we hear, Lord, to our own lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Dangerous subject. I'm going to have to get another drink of water for that. And I don't take it lightly, that's for sure. But I think it is a sign of the age that I would even feel nervous about reading a very pretty plain piece of scripture here um, and maybe think that I might be offended. It's not any preacher who comes up here intention to offend anybody. In fact, I was sitting in class and we were going over uh, some of the subject material and I kind of said, oh, my apologies, but the scripture says this and Amber corrects me. It says, hey, you don't have to apologize for the scripture. It's what the scripture says. But because of the society that we live in, because of the culture that we live in, it's just a tough subject to do. Even women in church just have been so inundated with cultural norms now and things like that, that it's just, I, I, just, think, uh, I just thank you for uh, indulging me, but um, the scripture does not adjust for cultural norms. Doesn't adjust itself for that. Not above truth. Now, should women wear dresses? I have no idea. Not my call. But I know that women should dress modestly. I know that. Should women speak in church? Well, they do here. I think it's okay. But not to usurp authority over men. It's the understanding of our place and our acknowledgement that there is a distinction between men and women that we must come to understand, to know in our hearts, because when we do that, we understand our placement better, and we are able to fulfill our roles better. Now, when I was 
young man, I used to do a lot of different jobs. You know, I used to have a new job just about every year. And what I, what I wanted my boss to just tell me is, what is my job? What am I supposed to do? Just tell me what I'm to do and, what I'm, and how I'm to do it, and I'll be good. Let me, help me to understand my role, and I will be a good employee. If you're ambiguous, it's going to be rough because I don't know what I'm doing. But when we understand that first there is a distinction and what those distinctions are, we can obey the will of the Lord better. If the Lord wished for men and women to be completely alike, he would not made two. He would have just made Adam. But it was the Lord's intention to distinguish the two. He desires distinction because in that distinction, we can fulfill our duty and our function. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. Wives, be subject to your husbands as that is right in the Messiah, fitting for the Lord in some translations. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for thus it is pleasing before our Lord. And parents, do not anger your children, lest they lose heart. There is placement here in this scripture. And it's, it's important for us to understand that in order for us to, to conduct ourselves accordingly. And so, back in the 40s and the 50s, more so the 50s, there was a dishonoring of women. There was. Now, I'm going to qualify that, and sometimes you hear feminists and you think it's, you know, the dishonoring was like, you know, from the book Roots or Uncle Tom's Cabin. It wasn't that bad. But I, I remember I was, I was uh, looking at a Facebook, this random Facebook article came up, and it, and it was uh, commercials, overtly sexist commercials from the 1950s, and they were pretty rough. They were pretty rough. And so it's obvious that there was some dishonoring going on from women. Now, does that give an excuse for what we have now? No, I don't think so. I think that the feminist movement has taken advantage of that in order to do, to usurp authority in the home. Now, follow me with this line of reasoning concerning the erosion of the home. There first was an erosion of the relationship between men and women. Women no longer desired to even be in a role as a wife and a mother. So we go from that. They no longer accepted their role in the family. And men were willing to oblige them. Now, what do I mean by that? Because sometimes it's just easier to let somebody else do it. Sometimes it's just easier to let somebody else be in charge for a while. And men are more than willing to allow a woman to shake off the bonds of propriety and modesty because it satiates their own desires and their own lusts. And so, in other words, more promiscuous and immodest women don't produce more honorable men. So if we're looking, if, if the feminist movement were really looking to make men more honorable, that wasn't the way to do it. It produced more dishonorable men. There is an umbrella of protection in the church, and there is one in the home as well. And so getting back to this line of thinking, so we got this protection now that's, that's uncovered the home. Women no longer accept their roles. Men no longer accept their roles. And so now you start to see this homosexuality start to begin to form, not begin now, but back then. 
And then now we don't even know what a woman is and what a man is. All starting from the displacement and dysfunction going on in the 1950s, and now we are here. I speak of that umbrella because as, as pastor showed up there, there's an umbrella in the church of covering and protection. I believe there's one in the home. And when everybody knows their place and does everything in their power to stand in that place, we form a phalanx or a bulwark of protection in the home. A phalanx is basically you just stand shield to shield, and everybody knew their place, and they locked shields together, and you couldn't get through it. But if one man decided to move and didn't, didn't accept his place, it failed. In John chapter 3 and verse 12, this is Jesus talking. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? If a pastor cannot define, teach, and encourage proper natural roles of men and women as given by God, he has no authority to speak of heavenly concepts. I do not accept teaching of spiritual gifts from men who cannot even define the natural gifts and placement of men, women, and children in the home as assigned by God from the beginning. If a preacher is ambiguous in the natural distinctions between men and women and children, there is no way for him to be definitive about spiritual matters. The reason why I say children is because I've noticed there is an attempt to make children a greater authority than parents, even in the political sphere. I found it absolutely embarrassing that our Congress had Greta Thunberg up to testify about climate change, a 14-year-old girl. What do I need to know? What do our leaders of our country need to know from a 14-year-old girl? But we see it even on TV. Amber and I noticed this a couple weeks ago. It was a, it's a good show on, on Disney. There was nothing really filthy about it. But we just noticed this theme of making the parents complete idiots and the children just absolutely just know all the, the ins and outs of the world. And that it used to be just the dads. Now it's the moms too. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Children have a place in the home, too. And we will get to, to that. So, now, let's, let's start making some distinctions, shall we? We're going to start with the men. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. It is good for a man to work. Oh, I forgot to read the scripture. My bad. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it to cultivate it and keep it. So, man was designed to work, and I think Brother, Brother Chris mentioned this a, a few weeks ago, man, man's place to work was before the fall. Now, for some reason, we got this idea that when man fell, that God punished him by making him work. No, we just read right here that while he's in the garden and while he's in good standing with God, he is commanded to cultivate the garden, to work, to put his hands to productivity. It is a part of a man's purpose to, in, like in verse 28, it says, fill the earth and subdue it. Bend it to your will. It is not God's job. He gives that job to Adam. That's why he brings the animals through, because it's Adam's job. This is Adam's place. And it is important that he learns to work and labor. We are created to labor. Laziness creates waywardness and purposelessness, to those, and those two things produce sin 
in our lives. In the 1950s, as we were coming out of war, we were the only industrialized country that still had the ability to produce. I don't know if you guys knew that. Because back in the 50s, that's when we began to have labor unions. That's when the 40-hour work week started coming in. That's when uh, employee-provided health care began to come in. Because there was no competition anymore. The United States produced everything. So there was just money to be had everywhere. And so man has now decided that, you know, a 40-hour work week, that's just, that's, man, I'm really working hard. I'm really doing good. And that's just not how God intended that's not how, we're designed to work Monday through Saturday. Rest is Sunday. Now, does that mean that we got to get jobs for Saturdays? No. But it means that we should not shy away from work just because culture says that this certain hour means you've worked a good, a good day. Men are, are meant to be productive in whatever they need to be productive in for however long they need to be productive. It's in us to do it. We have the ability to do it, and we should get to doing it. Our first obligation is to provide physically for the home as described in the text. Man is working before Eve even comes into the, in the picture. Man is working, and he's putting his hands to productivity. We are created to labor. We have the ability to work longer and harder than a woman and are also given the ability to not only work long and hard but still have the strength and ability to lead the home when we get home. We have it in us to do it. But creature comforts and things like that, they tend to make us soft. And I, and I know that firsthand. You know, being, being a little bit soft and understanding that, that I've, got, I've got more obligations to do when I get home from work than just sit on my butt and turn on the TV and let my wife just take care of everything. Our duty as men, to, our duty as men is also to provide a purpose for our family. We do this by providing a vision for what our family is to look like and how it is to operate. Let me ferret that out a little bit. Man creates the garden, or God creates the garden, puts man in it, he cultivates it, and he shapes it and prepares it for a woman to come into, for a family to come into. Because remember, God's intention all, the, all along was for man to be fruitful and multiply. So before that happens, though, man begins to provide the place for that to happen. Man cultivates a garden, names animals, and provides a habitable place. He is providing a purpose to those animals, to the land, and to his wife, and to his children. A man should help his family understand their purpose by teaching them that, that vision that they have. Young men, pay attention. You who aspire to marry, do you have a vision for what your marriage is supposed to look like? You want to get married, why don't you? What's your family going to look like? How are you going to discipline your children? How are you going to provide for your house? Why have those things not come into your mind? You want to get married, those things go along with marriage. Those things should be being put in order before that marriage comes along, before that wife comes along. I heard a, I heard a man say that, our, what's wrong with our society is, is men find a wife and then they prepare for marriage. When you should, a man should prepare for marriage and then go find a wife. Now, your vision doesn't have to be complete. I, my vision for my family is, has evolved, you know, f- over the 14 years I've been married. 
But there should be a vision. There should be a groundwork there before you get married. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire, with entire submissive, submissiveness. In Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Who's giving that instruction? The man. The man's giving instruction. You are to give instruction. You are to provide instruction for your wife and children. You are to give that. Does this mean that we have to have all knowledge? No. Does it mean that our vision has to complete? No. But we have to, we have, to have something in place for our children to build upon, for our wives to build upon. Amen? Now, let's get to women. This is the tough one. Let me get another drink. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 14. But do not allow women to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived and fell into transgression. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. Yet you will desire your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, this doesn't mean... Trust me, I know this is your experience. It doesn't mean your wife's just going to desire you all the time. That's not what that means. It means she's going to desire your place. She's going to desire to have your spot. Now, that's just natural in a woman. Okay? All you women must understand this and must guard yourself against it. And men have to guard the home against that to make sure that a wife is not falling into temptation. Why was Eve by the tree in the first place? We always talk about, you know, how Adam, you know, let the serpent in. Why was Eve around that tree? If God said, don't touch that tree, why would we even need to go near it? But it was up to the man to help his wife to not fall into that. There are two reasons why a woman would take a role of her husband. There is a, well, I, I have these two reasons. I'm sure there's more, but. The Lord gave me these two. There is a vacuum left by his abandonment. Or she has usurped or seized the role. Either way, it's his fault. A house does not get stronger when a woman takes the strength of her husband. It doesn't make her stronger. It just hurts her. It puts a load on her that she was not able to carry. And you're doing your wife a disservice by allowing that to happen. You're allowing her to carry a burden that she is going to break under. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, for, Adam was, for it was Adam that was first created and then Eve. As indicated in this scripture, God defines the role of a man, and I believe that a woman, I want to you know, make sure I make this clear, a woman receives her role from the man. That's how a woman receives her role. Man is there first. God creates him. He then creates Eve because man is lacking. Okay? She is there for man. I'm going to let that kind of settle in a little bit. In other words, by understanding what a man's obligation is, a woman can glean her own understanding of her obligations by understanding what a man's is. But a woman... So what is the purpose for woman? Why is she here? In verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2, but a woman will be, or uh, 
verse 15 of Timothy, but a woman will be preserved, preserved or rescued from danger or put into safety through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. In Genesis chapter 1 and 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. In, ver- in chapter 2 of Genesis and verse 18, it says, The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Flavius, I'm going to quote Flavius Josephus here because I think it's appropriate. He says that man had no society. That was what was missing. He had, he had cultivated this garden. He had made it all nice, put everything into subjection, and he had nothing to fill it with. And he had no ability to fill it with. And the reason why that I believe this word society is so appropriate, because it wasn't God's intention just to flood the, the, the garden with a bunch of people. He could have done that. Hey, this place is empty. It's not good for man to be alone. Just here's a bunch of people. It was a society that, that Adam came first, and then woman came to help him do what he cannot, and that is to bear children bear offspring of his own, children that he can pass on his relationship with God to and create a society that knows God, that comes from him, that is taught by him, instructed by him, governed by him as the Lord gives to him. Are are you following me on this? A woman is created for the bearing of children to help build that society. Now, Dustin, what about women who... Can't have children. Listen, I can't preach about exceptions. Now, I believe that God has grace for exceptions. I do. I believe that we are fully equipped in this church to handle exceptions according to how God wants us to do it. But we're not dealing with exceptions. It's bad business practice to make rules for the exception. You make rules for the normal. Okay, And most women can have children. The bearing, but the bearing of children has lost all sacredness and honor. Women now feel degraded and maligned if they are told that this is their primary role. It's, it makes me want to cry that, we, that this is where we are. To create for man something that he needs but cannot do on, on his own should be a point of honor and reverence and should not be looked down upon. It is of the utmost value to God, the bearing of children. He says that a wife will be saved by it. She will find her purpose, her life in it. That is what what God created women to to do. God looked at that garden that Adam had cultivated, and it was good, but it lacked what God intended for it, and that was a society. Man labored before the woman was there. What made it not good was the lack of those people, was lack of that, that group, that family. It was not possible for Adam to accomplish this without Eve, the mother of all living. A woman fills what Adam builds with what he cannot, children, compassion, mothering, that God has, as pastor preached, God has that nurturing, but man doesn't. A woman does. And she completes that situation. She adds substance to what Adam has done. 
and helps fulfill his vision. In Greek grammar, the feminine case is used when describing the quality of a noun. The quality. Let that sink in, the quality. In English, we don't assign grammatical genders, but I just I found this interesting that, that um, we used to assign uh, in English uh, the she to like object, inanimate objects. The Romans used to call their shields by women's names. Um, we used to call boats, call it their maiden voyage. We used to give them girls' names. The reason for that, I looked it up, and it said, uh, the tradition relates to the idea of a female figure such as a mother guiding and protecting the ship and its crew. That's why they began to give those names. I have a, I'm going to have a really uh, awkward way of example of this, you know, but it's the best I can do. So, as you all know, Amber and I have been undertaking a vast remodeling job that seems to be taking centuries. So we um, we decided to start with the bathroom, and I start I get in there and I start doing man things. Austin and I are in there doing man things. We are busting walls up. I'm kicking things into place, hammering nails in. I'm making everything work. Everything's working. I look back and I go, yeah, everything works. Doesn't look very good though. But then I say, I I finish the last little part and I say, Amber, this one yours. I'm done with my stuff. And I come home, and Amber has painted, and she has detailed, and she's put little knickknacks everywhere. I kid you not, I looked at that, and I went, now that is good. That I could not do that. I could not produce that quality. In fact, I told her we were doing the living room. I said, hey, when are the knickknacks coming in? <laughs> because I could do all this stuff, but... It, a wife, we, we can build, us men, we have the strength to build a building for our family, but a wife makes it the home. A wife makes it the home. In Ephesians chapter, so now we're going to get to children here. Children, listen up. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Children have a place, and that place is obedience. Obedience just isn't like doing, well, I'm just going to do what my mom tells me to do. That's not obedience. That's just trying not to get in trouble. Obedience is a, is a placement. Children are placed under the mother and father. What's really difficult in my house, I don't know about your house, but what is my children are smart children, you know, they, they, they know things, but it's hard to explain to them that it's not their place to correct. It's, even if I make a mistake, it's not their place to do that. It's your place to submit. And when they understand that it's their place to submit, that they, it really bothers me when children just feel like they're on equal footing with an adult. It really bothers me. I was telling the men's class, I, you would, I'll listen to these songs, and those 16-year-old kids will be talking about life lessons. And I just, man, I hate it. I hate it. What in the world? What do they know? You know I don't need any lessons from children. You know, and, I, and I don't mean that to slant. Our kids wouldn't do that, but, but children need to understand their place. 
Now, I'm going to say this to young men, young women. If you're not married, the Bible says you will leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife and your husband. Doesn't say you're going to leave your father and mother and cleave to some guy you like or some girl that thinks, you know, you're cute. But we've got a lot of that going on in society nowadays. That once we find somebody that might be, hey, this guy might be the one, so I'm going to leave my father and mother. I'm going to go run to this guy. And it's, it's awful. It's terrible. It's not the place. Fathers are pro- to provide the vision for the home. They are to help the young men to understand the vision for a home they may have. To, to a father explains, how do I put this? I've been, I've been talking to Morgan a little bit about it, trying to help her understand her value and that she is valuable. And as a father, it is my duty to explain her value to her and to protect her from cheapskates, to people who don't want to pay the cost. That's what a dad is there, young ladies, for, is to make sure that if a man doesn't have the vision, doesn't have the, and I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about guys who just don't even know. Or maybe have a vision that doesn't align with what, what, what a woman's, what yours is, young ladies. And if it doesn't align, that's fine. Wait for somebody who's, who does. Okay? Or tell them, go back until you can afford me. <laughs> There's that too. Important part is we don't stop cleaving to mom and dad until we're ready to cleave to a husband or a wife. Does that make sense? Okay. Moving on. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 through 2. So we have a woman's role. We have a man's role. We have a children's role. Now now we bring them together here. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to bring them together. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Titus chapter 1, verse 6. Namely, if a man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. A man learns to minister at home. Now, we can talk about Bible schools. We can talk about seminary. But you look at those scriptures. I just read you two just to make sure, you know, I'm not lying here. It is the Lord's will that a man who is a husband be in ministry. Again, there are exceptions. I'm not preaching about exceptions. I'm not doing that. That's for somebody else. That's for pastor to deal with. I'm, not, I'm just here for the rule. The reason being is it says right there in, in 1 Timothy that he's able to teach. He's apt to teach. He has the ability to teach. How does he gain that ability? Through doing. Through teaching his wife through instructing his wife, through instructing his children, running the household, executing a vision. How can you execute a vision for a church if you can't execute a vision for your own family? A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, bring them up, the children, in discipline and instruction of the Lord. They receive the instruction from you. That's where they get it from. 
Ministry is meant for a married man and family because an unmarried man is a novice and doesn't have experience. You know, now I said, except there are exceptions. I'm not dealing with those. We learn by doing and we minister by ministering to our own family, not in seminary or Bible college, but by the designed family of God. Amen? Okay, I'm, I'm right about to close here. I'm wrapping it up. What time is it? 7.20. Man, I went fast. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. In the same way, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste, respectful behavior. Verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace and life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Not weaker as in less valuable. Weaker as in more valuable. I was telling the the class, a sledgehammer is really cheap and strong, but a Ming vase is weaker, but much, much more priceless. Women need to know their place. We all cringe at that. Yeah, women need to know their place. But think about it. Try to look at it this way. When you have something valuable, like I'm talking really valuable, it has its place. You have a place for it, and you know where it is. You have a special spot for that. And I believe that's why we have in our own family. Let me just leave you this quote. I believe, na- I believe nature has assigned each sex its particular duties and sphere of action. And to act well your part, there all the honor lies. That's Abigail Adams, the husband or the wife, excuse me, of John Adams. Amen. Pastor? Amen. Thank you. Come on, musicians and... And we're going to sing a little something, but uh, thank you. All that was directly out of God's word.